0: Well, we uh, continue in our series on Second Peter, Reminders, Recalling the Truth in the Face of Falsehood. Recalling the Truth in the Face of Falsehood. And this morning we're reading from Second Peter chapter 2. That's what I'm covering this morning. And I, I titled it, I was trying to follow along with Matthew, a sure faith, and then with Tim, a, a, a sure word. And I... I thought, what about a sure warning? A sure warning given by Peter. So I want to read. I'll I'll go back a little ways. We'll go back into chapter 1, verse 19, and we'll just keep going. I I had an introductory illustration to do, but I think this is the best illustration I can do is remember the Savior this morning. Remember him. It's a reminder to remember what he's done. But listen to this. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If, and these ifs should probably be better read since, because it already happened. Since he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if, or since he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. As I studied this, I thought, oh, are you not tormented by what you see around you? Since this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasure while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed, an accursed they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bazar, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's message madness. These people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome... They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. A sure warning. Attack of the false teachers. You note that he talks about the prophets in the latter part of chapter 1 and I love it because he says that the prophecies of scripture is a matter of, of no one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And then he jumps right in. But there were also false prophets during their time among the people. Among what people? Amongst other nations? Nope. Amongst their own people. False prophets rose up. And just as there were false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, Amongst us, not outside the building, but in the building, with us. And so Peter is going to expose what they look like and how they appear. Let me say this about the false teacher. I don't believe that Peter is talking about the difference between someone who believes in sprinkling for baptism of an infant compared to a full immersion of an adult. I don't think that's what he's talking about at all. It's in regard to Jesus Christ and the sovereign Lord and Savior and what he did on a cross. They're tweaking it and changing it and not making it be what it really is. And their lives are not changing because of the message. a matter of fact, they want to have their life remain the same or even worse. So let's look. False teachers expose. Chapter 2, those first three verses. We noticed that we did a series a while back. I'm sorry if you weren't in that series, but 1 Peter deals with an attack on the church from outside the church. 2 Peter deals with a, an attack on the church from within the church. Which do you believe is more dangerous? The one from within, huh? I thought of this in a couple ways. I have a smoke alarm in my house. Peter is the smoke alarm for us. He's using chapter 2 here to warn us about the false teachers. Listen, a smoke alarm on the outside of my house doesn't do me much good. A smoke alarm on the inside of my house warns me that there's smoke in the house. You notice it it does not... Warn me of the danger of a fire necessarily. Most people that die in their homes, they die from smoke inhalation, not from fire. So you need a smoke detector. Because if the fire's in the house, there's going to be smoke and you're going to die from that, not from the fire more than likely. So it's a warning. It says it's an annoying sound, isn't it? We have all had a smoke detector go off the battery goes low on it and it starts making a chirping sound and you can't get rid of it You put it in a pillow you take the batteries out. It keeps chirping Someone's trying to warn you to try and save your life on that. So you got to pay attention to it But if the smoke is outside the house If it's outside the house, I'm not really worried about it too much My smoke detector in my house never went off during all those fires where the smoke smelled really bad outside Did yours? No, it didn't. So they're necessary. It's a necessary thing to help save you. But we put it in the house, not outside the house. This is what Peter is saying is going on in the house. This is going on. False teachers are going to come. Now, this was written a couple thousand years ago, so I'm assuming they're here. All right? How do we identify them? when they're amongst us? How do we know that they're different? How do we know something's not quite right? Well, he points it out. He says, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Hmm. Secretly introduce. How do we secretly introduce something that's not the truth? How how do we... What's the best way to be tell a false thing, a falsehood, a lie. Try to be kind. How to, what's the best way to tell a lie? Wrap it in truth. Wrap it with a little bit of truth. Make it close to being true. And then, if you're not aware, you start to buy it. Don't you? Don't you? Isn't that what happened to Eve? You think about it in the garden. When Satan came to her as a serpent, a lot of the things that he told her were true. They were. He wrapped that lie and deceit so well that he had her persuaded that she was going to be a god. And don't talk to me where Adam was. I don't know where he was. He should have been there though. All right. But that's what he did. But they what what I looked I looked this up. That secretly introduced means They bring it alongside. They put it right in the same storyline. They get it right next to the truth, but it ain't the truth. They tell just enough truth to make you think it's the truth, but it isn't. So that's what they do. They put it in there. They bring it alongside. But what do they do? They're introducing a destructive heresy. Another philosophy, that's a heresy. Another idea, another thought. It's Christ and this. It's this and Christ. Oh, yeah, we believe that Jesus died on a cross. We believe he was buried and he rose again. I wouldn't say he was God necessarily. Hmm. Do you know any religious groups like that? I, I wouldn't say he's part of the Trinity. Do you know any religious groups? that believe that. Yeah, they, they, he's a prophet. He's a great, he was a great prophet. We believe he did die. We believe he was raised again even. But we don't believe he was God. That, that's a falsehood, people. That's not the truth. If he's not God, if he was just a prophet, if he was just an ordinary man, we're in trouble. Because it took God's only son who was God himself, to die on a cross to please the Father. To become, to have something that says, yes, that's an acceptable sacrifice once for all. That's what it took. So if he's not God, if it's another way to him, then it's a false teaching. False teaching. If you're here this morning... And you've never accepted Jesus Christ. God who took on flesh, who went to a cross, who lived a perfect life, kept the law in every way, conquered the law, you might say. Then he died on a cross for you. And by simply doing so, he was then buried. And then he was resurrected on the third day. And he was witnessed by a multitude of ascending into the heavens afterward. He's never been seen since on this earth. But he went and he was witnessed by over 500, they say. If you this morning have never heard that, if you've never heard that, he was God in flesh. He died on a cross. He was buried. He rose again. He's in heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father today. If you would place faith in that, if you place faith in that, You are placing faith in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything else is falsehood. Anything else is falsehood. I didn't need Mary to get to him. We have to expose them. You have to expose the false teacher. Look what they were doing. They were denying the sovereign Lord who had come to pay the price for them. He came to buy salvation for us, to take us out of slavery to sin. And so they start denying who he is. I'm afraid this is more prevalent in the church than we realize. We have people that don't want to preach he's the only way. I will say this, 10 years ago, maybe a little more, Pastor Phil gave me a book one year. And in the book, it was called Becoming Conversant with the Emerging Church. And as I read the book, it scared me. It scared me. It's false teaching. It was full of false teaching. And it's what was going on in the evangelical church. And I remember as I read it, he said they're taking Christ and they're putting him in a corner. They're putting him over there and saying, yeah, that's how you get to heaven, but let's don't talk about that. Let's talk about something else. Yeah, that's what they were doing. And I remember reading that book. And I remember saying, well, God, if no one else will preach Christ, I will. I, I did, I said that. And at 50 years old, I started to preach, not even knowing what I was doing. Somehow, some way, the Lord broke Phil down enough that he gave me a chance. Because <laughs> he thought I was crazy. He did. But I will preach the truth. I will preach the truth. No falsehood. I'll do the best of my ability to tell you the truth of Scripture. If you die today without knowing Christ, I'm afraid your eternity is bad. It's a hell-bound eternity. And that's what scares me about the false teacher. You may be here this morning saying, I know I need an answer. I know I need the truth. Where do I find it? And if a false teacher was here, he would show you a different way that would not land you anywhere but still in trouble. So we take the warning of Peter very, very, very serious. Look what he's doing, he's denying. The false teacher will deny the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. And I fear a swift destruction on those that follow them. Man, we're three verses in and I'm a mess. Let's move on. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Many. You know what many means? It's a lot. There's a lot of people following the false teachers. There's something in them morally that God placed in them to want to find out. How? There's got to be something else. Doesn't there? There has to be, and inside their minds they're thinking, we want to know, but many will follow the depraved conduct of the false teacher. And they will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Is that not true today? Do you not see people that claim to know Christ and and they seem to they they tell you they know all these things about him and they're on TV and we see them and they do all these things and then all of a sudden we find out they got a lot of qualities like what we're gonna see here. And they bring the name of Christ into disrepute. The sovereign Lord who they attack. In their greed, they're greedy. These teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Fabri- you do not need a fabricated story this morning, people. You need the truth. Exploit, you know, I was looking at that. They're greedy, they're greedy men. And it's greed, that greed's in all kinds of areas. It's financially in other areas, too. They, turn, they, they take the church and turn it into a, a dirty marketplace, as it were, with their greed. Yes, and then it says they exploit they exploit you, the individuals. And, and I, I was looking at that. exploit, they commercialize the church. They turn it into a business They're all about the greed and they want to exploit you. They want you to give your money to them Not to God to them because they're not giving it to God. They're going to take it And they fabricated stories It's interesting that fabricated words is to make up a fabricated story uh I'm not a big Greek student necessarily, but I do have logos, and it helps me be able to find these Greek terms. It's called plastois. Plastois. which you might guess, the English version of that is it's plastic. It's just kind of fake. It's fabricated out of plastic. They're artificial. They're not genuine. They're not genuine. They fabricate untrue plastic stories for their own greed for their own lust for their own individual things not for anything for God but for themselves and this is what happens to them their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping God is not sleeping on them he's not you think, well, how does he let them keep doing that? Why does he let them keep doing it? I don't know. I don't know. If it was up to me, I'd get them out of here now. But it's not up to me. It's up to him, and he's a sovereign God, and, and who knows the mind of God? I don't know it. But I know he's not asleep. I know he knows what they're doing. And I know that he's going to deal with it. And how do we know that? Well, Peter's going to show some history of how we know that. How did we get there? He says, it, it's called, uh, the best way I know to call is it judgment. It's judgment. And we get into verse 4, he says, For if God did not spare the angels, and like I said, I want to change that for if, it's since God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Their their final judgment still hasn't come. It's coming. It's going to be here before we know it. But it isn't here yet. Since he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but he protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. I like this section. I called it judgment and deliverance. Judgment and deliverance. He judges the wicked. The world was so bad that he decided to destroy it with a flood. Right? Right? But I love that he protected Noah. Look what he calls Noah. If you could have this. If, you, if, if you're some, if, you, if you're a preacher, Phil, if you're preaching, uh, Matt, Tim, myself, if you could say this about us, we'd be, we'd be very thankful. Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Amen. Oh, my goodness. If we're anything around here, I hope we're preachers of righteousness. No, 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 let me say that. I know that we're preachers of righteousness. Because for one, the elders of this church would throw me out of the pulpit if I wasn't. And I would deserve to be thrown out of the pulpit. And then seven others, which was his family members. Since he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly all the judgments that God did. And then in verse 7 he says, And since he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. I am telling you I cannot watch the evening news. I I, I can't. I'm so distressed by the depravity of men all around us. How long will you wait, O oh Lord, until you say, enough, enough. Son, go get your children. Go get your bride. How long will he wait? Well, later in chapter 3, I don't get to preach it. I don't want to step on anybody, anybody's sermon. But later he says, his patience is bringing salvation. Oh, what if he had got fed up before I was in the family? Maybe you're here this morning, and you're saying, I'll wait till tomorrow. I feel a tug in my heart, Pastor, but I can wait. Oh, you don't know if you can wait. You don't know if you leave these doors today that you don't drop dead of a heart attack. I had a 52-year-old nephew dropped dead of a heart attack right after Thanksgiving. Boom. Here one minute, gone the next. You don't know. Decide today to live for Christ. Decide to take him as your Savior. But I am, I got to tell you, I'm distressed. If I didn't know God was in charge of all of this, I'd really be in distress. Amen? But I love it because I think Lot was a rascal. Personally, I think Lot was a rascal. I do. He, he was a rascal. Uh, Abraham offered him the two fields. I want the best field. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah? I want the best field. He's a little rascal. But what's he called? What's he called? He calls him a righteous man. Not once. He calls him that three times in these two verses. For that righteous man... Living among them day after day He was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless For that righteous man living among them day after day Was tormented in his righteousness In his righteous soul by the lawless deeds He saw and heard It was driving him nuts And he was right amongst them And he was a rascal like I said But you know what that righteousness stands for He was justified He believed in God he had faith in God even though he was a rascal And I say thank you Lord because I could be a bit of a rascal yep. Don't amen that <laughs> Especially you Aunt Carolyn <laughs> <laughs> Since this is all so then the, Lord knows how, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials And to hold the unrighteous for punishment See it's not your concern About their punishment or the judgment that comes on them. It's your concern only in this that you must tell them about Christ But if it's a false teacher, they might be too far away. I Don't see a lot of gospel presentation to the false teacher here. I See some other things that scare me For one starting in verse 10 through 12, he says they're rebellious they're rebellious. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Does that sound rebellious? Oh, yeah. I despise authority. That makes me pretty rebellious. And I, I'm just after the corrupt flesh. Oh. Bold and Arrogant. 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 Bold and arrogant. So they're bold in their arrogance. They are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Wow. They just don't fear anything. They so into themselves, they think they're above everything. Amen? That's where they're at. They just think they're above all of it. They, they, they hold all authority in contempt. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound familiar to our society today? Does this sound familiar to our society in the church today even? I'm afraid it is. Not here at Valley. None of you are that way. But across the church, I think there's a lot of these issues going on. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. So just the opposite is true The angels who have What he's basically saying is the angels have more of a right to do that And they don't do it But these people Blaspheme in matters They do not understand They do not understand The thing that they're actually blaspheming They just don't get it They're not connected to it They're not connected to the Lord and Savior So it makes it very easy for them to blaspheme him. Very easy to speak ill of somebody That you don't believe in Is that not true? They were rebels. They were animalistic. He compares them to animals, doesn't he? They're like unreasoning animals. You ever try and reason with an animal? uh, Let's say I'm going to send you out in the jungle and I want you to reason with the lion. The only way you can reason with a lion is if you have a really big gun. Creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. Man, this looks like there's no hope for the false teacher, doesn't it? That's what it looks like to me. I might be wrong, but boy, it sure looks like it to me. Born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. Wow. They're deceitful. Watch out for their deceitfulness. Verse 13, they will be paid back with harm for harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. In broad daylight they carouse. Most of the people that I knew growing up and that I know now, they like to carouse at nighttime. Especially, you figure, they're representing the God of the universe as false teachers, and they're carousing right in the daylight where everybody can see it. And, I read this passage to a a young man during the week and he said, hey, what's carouse? And I mean, that that just means they're partying and doing things they're not supposed to right in the broad daylight where everybody can see it. And i I'll let you use partying however you want to use it, but that's what they're doing. They're carousing around, they're causing trouble right out in the public arena where they can be seen. The scary part is they'll be paid back with harm for the harm that they've done. And rightfully so. It's a just thing. But still scary if you're one of them, isn't it? They're chronic sinners. They haven't given up their sin. They're not going to give up their sin. They're doing it right in public, right? He says, with eyes full of adultery. They never stop sinning. Wait a minute. When you received Jesus Christ in your life, were you able just to keep doing the same things that you did before? You can just keep on sinning, sleeping around, drinking, carousing, drugs, doing all that stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. But they can. They never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. Oh, now you're starting to make me angry. They seduce the unstable. They come in a church like this, in a church this big, They come in and they look for that either somebody who's on the fringe. You haven't placed faith in Christ but you're trying to work it out. They come after you. They get you involved in something that has nothing to do with Christ and they start telling you you're okay. Let me tell you something. Without Christ, you're not okay. Without him and what he did for you on a cross, you're not okay. Until you place your trust and your faith in that, you're not okay. Your eternal destination is not a good one. And if you're here this morning, that's why I I said the gospel to you today. I'm like, oh, no, 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 please don't leave here without accepting Christ. Please don't. They seduce. You're the exact one they go after. You are the exact one they go after, the one that's not quite decided yet. Or you're just starting to come along that pathway toward Christ, and they just pick you off. It's classic. Classic. They are experts in greed. This is the second time he's talked about their greed. They're experts in greed. Now, I said this earlier. And I don't want to say this person is a false teacher, but they, they can go on TV because they've got enough money to be on TV all the time. They can go on TV and tell you they need a second jet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Lord has told me that I need a second jet. The other one I have is fine, but it's wearing out. It's, it's a later model. I mean, an earlier model. I like to get a later model. And so the Lord has told me that I need to raise $20 million to buy myself a new jet. And he's told me that you guys are going to give me that money in 30 days. Interesting, isn't it? We around here, when we go to talk about giving, we get like, okay, we know we can do this because it's in the Word of God and it's the right thing to do. But to even bring you up to date sometimes when we're struggling maybe with, a, with our budget or whatever, it, it's not, we're not experts at that. We are as far as the Word of God. We'll tell you what the Word of God says about giving, about stewardship, because we're commanded to do that. And, and the pastoral staff, I remember one time we met and we said, hey well, it, it's not a popular subject amongst people because everybody out there thinks you're after their money anyway let me tell you something I am not after your money what I'm after is that you meet Jesus Christ and that you follow after him let me tell you, if you meet him and you start to follow after him your money will come now, as a Gospel of the, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am commanded by Scripture to tell you about your stewardship. That's why we talk about that. But we ain't up here asking you for a new jet, are we? <laughs> no, because we're not. We're not experts at greed. We, we're just we're trying to figure out what God's really saying to us to tell you about that area. And and so what we want, what we said was, look, we don't want to get before God and Him say, why did my people miss out on blessings that they supposed to have gotten? Oh, because you were afraid to talk about giving. Oh, no, 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 no. mm -mm. I'll talk about it. You can be mad at me. I don't want God mad at me. Right? In the end, he's going to ask me why I didn't talk about that stuff. All right. I I don't know where I got that from, but I came up, so I said it. (laughs) And here's some of the other, that deceitfulness. um, And and this last three words that he uses in verse 14. They're an accursed brood. An accursed brood. They're animal-like. They're just cursed. There's like no hope for these people. Another thing that they are, they're like mercenaries. Did you see that? In, I, I saw this in 15 and 16. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. I like that. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, the son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. They're after the wages of wickedness. Isn't that what a mercenary does? He goes after, after whatever it is he goes after, goes to war to get paid. He wants to get paid. Well, they, they love the wages of wickedness. They're like mercenaries. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, and I, I just thought this was hilarious when I read through this. I remember this from the Old Testament, but I'm like, it's hilarious to me. A donkey, an animal without speech who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. That's humorous to me. It's out of Numbers chapter 23 through 24 if you want to check me on that. And then the last thing I'll say and then I'm going to let you guys go is the destruction caused by false teachers. And, and who are the targets? of that destruction. And we talked a little bit about that already, but in verses 17 and 18, um, he talks about, still talking about the false prophets here, but he says this. These people are springs without water. Okay, so stop for a second. I'm going to go down to the spring and I'm going to get me a drink of fresh, cold water. And I get down there, and the spring hasn't got any water in it. It's a dry creek. But they're talking like there's some fresh water down at that spring. You understand what was going on here? They aren't. It doesn't deliver. What they're telling you isn't delivering. They're saying, "Um, come on down here and get a drink of fresh water. And you get there and the water is not there. It's a dry creek. And then what about a mist driven by a storm? You know, I was telling the story earlier about, I went to, uh, man, I forget what the name of the place is. It used to be Marine World. I don't know what they call it now. Seven Flags or something over there. Six Flags, Seven Flags. I added a flag, I'm sorry. All right, Six Flags, and, and, and I was over there one time with, it was either my kids or my grandkids, and it was about 140 degrees that day, and um, <laughs> I'm, the whole time I'm like, can we just go home and get in the air-conditioned house? That's what I want to do. Um, but we were having fun with the little darlings, and so we're over there. But when it gets to a certain temperature, in order to keep you sane and keep you awake and not falling down flat on the ground, they have these misters that they turn on. And so you walk through that in a hot day, and it feels refreshing. You're like, wow, that feels good. And now you don't want to go anywhere else in the park. You want to stay right under the mist. But <laughs> they had them periodically, and they would help. And, but it, it, does that kind of thing help in the midst of a storm? Can you even recognize where the mist is at in a real storm? No. No, you really can't. So it's another useless thing. It doesn't deliver. It's not delivering. And listen to this. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. Do you see that? Not just darkness is reserved for them. The blackest darkness is reserved for them. This is a level of them being so wicked that God says, I'm going to put them in the blackest darkness. I'm reserving a special spot for them that's darker than all the rest. It's the blackest darkness is reserved for them. Darkness is where God is no longer at. Correct? God is light. Darkness is God is nowhere around. Now we're going to take it to even a, a deeper level, the blackest darkness, where he will not be present. Where will that be? Hell. That's hell. That's where God is not present anymore. That's where darkness is at. But the blackest darkness, that's a special category, isn't it? I don't see that anywhere else in Scripture. Do you feel? The blackest darkness. I I, I I couldn't find it anywhere else. I did a word study there. I, I couldn't find it. This is the only place I could see. And he's talking about the false teacher. Oh, my. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, both theirs and yours, if you're being led astray by them, they're using language here that says, it's okay, Christ saved you. He's died he's died once for all, for all your sins. Now you can live however you want to. Follow the lusts of your desires. It's okay, because Christ has already paid the price. Is that true? Is that, would that be false? It's a false teaching, isn't it? It's blasphemy. I even said it almost. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. which is what we talked about earlier about people on the fringe of trying to figure out is this, is God real? Is Christ what I really need? And then they get sideswiped by a false teacher. And then they find themselves in a religious sect that has Christ in the wrong spot. He's not God. He's not the Trinity. He's He's just a good man that died for them. Now, do you know any religious groups like that? Oh, yeah. I don't want to name the groups. I think you do know them. They promise them freedom. They promised the person on the fringe freedom. There's a problem with that. They themselves are slaves of depravity. They're promising you freedom from the life that you're in. Like you, are, you found that life is empty and meaningless. Well, follow me and I'll give you more emptiness and meaninglessness. Isn't that what's happening? I've got a chain around my leg. I can't get out of the cell. Follow me. I'll give you freedom. Are you going to follow someone to freedom who's chained? No. No, they're not free. They're a slave to the depravity that they have in them. Because look at this. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. What's mastering you today? That's everyone. That's not just the false teacher. He doesn't say, because he says very specifically, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Changed, changed it a little bit, but that means they're, they're people, so we get that. So the final thing is the destruction and termination. If they've escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and this does not mean knowing him in a salvation way where they place trust and faith in him. They know the story of who he is. They've been at Valley Bible Church when several pastors have presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, but they've never accepted it. But they do know the story. They do know about Jesus Christ and are again entangled in the corruption and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Why? Because now they know the right way and they're choosing very conscientiously not to go the right way. You're better off not knowing. You're starting to get yourself in a spot where you're going to be in that blackest darkness because you knew about Christ. Someone told you directly that he had died for you and by placing faith and trust in that and that alone You could receive salvation eternal life to be with him forever and you didn't and you said I don't want it It would have been better for them not to have known the ways of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them Oh and then the final verse, and then I'll let you guys go. Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. Wow. Wow. Neither one of those is a very profitable thing. Neither one. Matter of fact, they're kind of gross if you think about it, isn't it? No one wants to talk about vomit. Even nurses don't want to talk about that stuff. So Final conclusion. These false teachers that Peter had written about and what we spent the last several minutes describing are alive and doing well in the the church today. Um, The elders and the deacons and the leadership and the pastoral, associate pastors and different people on our staff, we've been charged with watching out for false teachers and people that are teaching false doctrines. We've been charged with doing that. Um, and we're keeping a close watch To ensure that that doesn't infiltrate our church But you know I was asked a question Recently Have there been any doctrinal problems at Valley In the last couple of years and, and Like major doctrinal issues I said well I, I can't think of any major doctrinal issues But I thought And I wasn't even studying this yet uh, But I thought you know what We have had a few things that we've had to deal with though We had a lady that was attending A, a, a Bible study A women's Bible study here And she kind of grabbed some ladies from that Bible study and she started teaching them some stuff and it didn't line up Just didn't line up. Uh, She was putting Christ in a different spot. It just wasn't working. And so we had to deal with that Um, We had someone that was teaching that it's Christ plus you got to do a bunch of stuff And we said no, 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 no. That's wrong. It's not a bunch of stuff. It's Christ and Christ alone. And it's not Christ and then some Or this and Christ It's Christ and Christ alone Right So that there's no works involved No one can boast It's Christ and Christ alone So we've had to deal with some of that But listen I want to tell you some wonderful There's a wonderful thing that happened When I was doing this I thought of that ladies Bible study And I thought you know what It was none of us elders in that women's Bible study. But somehow it came to our attention that someone was teaching something they weren't supposed to. Mm, How did that happen? That happened because you people, you, were paying attention. Phil did this to me one time. He says, you know how a counterfeit, a person who works for the government who describes and finds counterfeit money, you know how they figure it out? You know how they do that? They become really familiar with what the real thing is. They get a feel for it. They know that money feels a certain way. It smells a certain way. It looks a certain way. So when they get something counterfeit in their hands, they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something does not look right about this $100 bill. It's this big for one. That's too big, right? But no. So you, that's how you become really adept at knowing the truth is to Learn the truth so you know the falsehood when it comes. And that, in effect, is what I've spent the last 50 minutes trying to tell you. Peter is saying, remember what you learned. Remember a sure faith. Remember you have the sure word of God. If somebody is teaching you a thing of life and they can't point to this Stop everything. It better be in the sure word. And this is a sure warning. These people are amongst us. They're amongst the church. You got to be watching for them. How do I know that they're amongst us if I'm not in the word of God, discovering what the truth is? I have to get in there. I have to How many of you could share the gospel with somebody? Yeah. If you're sitting there going, oh, I'm not sure I could do that. Why? Why don't you know for sure? Learn it. Learn it. Get in the Word. You won't know the false teaching if you don't know what the real teaching is supposed to be. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. I thank you that because of the Word of God, because of the Holy Spirit in our lives who enlightens us as to what you're telling us in the Word of God, that we can be aware of the spiritual warfare that goes on around us and the various enemies and their techniques and all the different ways because Satan would love nothing more than to have us all be very religious. I want you to take a form of religion. That's what he would love. Good men Honest guys, honest ladies But not following after the king of kings Not relationally tied to you He would love that So thank you that the word of God shows it And proves the truth of what we believe in And if we just study it, dig in You want to show us yourself And so let us become more astute, more Uh, Aware, better students of the Word of God. Let us be like the Brians, who were of a more noble character. And Lord, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I know people here study all the time. That's great. I'm just telling the one that's on that edge. Oh, if you're on that edge, oh, come and meet my Jesus. He'll change you. He will. Come and meet him. If you want to know him today, all you got to say is, Jesus, I heard the preacher talking about you and that you were God and that you came and died on my behalf and that you were buried and you rose again. And if I would just simply accept the gift of what you did and say, I want to put trust in that and that alone, I might know you today. For you said, if you call on my name, I will hear you and I'll respond to you. Lord, oh, that someone would call on your name today. Don't let the false teachers pick them off. Don't let them pick them off. We thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.